five, four, three, two, one. Welcome. You have entered the Kai Corso Experience. What's up, Kane Corso fam? It's your boy, Johnny Doe, coming at you again with another installment of the Kane Corso Experience podcast, your one-stop shop podcast for all things Kane Corso related. Like I said, I'm your illustrious host, and I am not a professional trainer, behaviorist, nutritionist, vet. I am someone who loves my Kane Corso and wants to share my experience of ownership. So all advice that you get from me, it's just my opinion, people, Okay. Without further ado, let's get into this. So, um, it's been a minute since I've done a podcast. It's been at least two or three weeks. I apologize. But this one, I knew I couldn't haphazardly do it. I had a listener reach out to me and ask some advice. And I said, I want to help you. But let me cover it on the next episode of the Connect Corso Experience because I think this is relevant. Uh, it's not a topic I've really uh, delved into before. Is that a word, delved? <laughs> it is now. Um, it's not something that I've I've talked a lot about, but I think it's extremely important to talk about. Okay? Um, I love getting questions, comments, pictures, videos, of you guys and your experience with Connie Corso ownership. This is truly a community. If you check me out on the Connie Corso X on Instagram, please, um, you know, share pictures of your dog. Share pictures of your experience. Please don't just ask me questions, but maybe tell me a little bit about yourself. I love getting to know other people and uh, owners that are passionate about the breed. So we're going to get into um, a hot button topic that has been talked about a lot in the Kane Corso community. Um, And that is who should get this breed and why. My last episode, I touched on that. I touched on um, if a Kane Corso is right for you. I myself am a very dedicated owner, much like all of you, but I really do try to come from the perspective of maybe that somebody that got in over their head because I think most people, um, if they're first-time owners of a Kane Corso, I think most people think about, oh man, did I make a bad decision or is this dog too much to handle? Um, Unless you just get a perfect specimen, they're probably going to challenge you. And even if you get a perfect specimen, they'll probably still challenge you. Um. And so I have a listener that reached out to me that's going through something very similar um, that they need some tips and advice and more than anything, encouragement because we are we all make mistakes as trainers, okay? Like I said, I'm not a professional trainer. I'm a professional Romulus trainer. That's, that is um, my dog. That's, that's my Connie Corso. So... When people say the word professional, okay, there's a misconception. People 
mostly think the difference between a professional and an amateur is that the professional gets paid, which that's uh, many times the case. And almost every time a professional is someone that gets paid, but that's not the difference between a professional. And this is not my words. This is uh, coming from an author named Stephen Pressfield. He wrote this fantastic book called The Art or The War um, of Art on Art. Excuse me. Not The Art of War, but The War on Art. Um, and he talks about uh, the difference between a professional and an amateur, and it always stuck with me. And when I say I'm a professional uh, professional Romulus trainer, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean I get paid, but it does mean this. An amateur is somebody that does it when they feel like it, when they're inspired, when uh, they, they set some time aside and say, uh, I can't do it in the next couple of days, but I'm going to plan on doing it over here uh, on Wednesday. Okay. And um, they really wait for that time to be perfect and for it to um, something that they want to do. A professional is someone who does it no matter if they want to or not. They do it because it needs to be done. No matter if it's 11 o'clock at night, no matter if you work 12 hours, no matter if you um, had a rotten day or it's raining or it's snowing you're going to do said thing. And in this case, we're talking about training your dog. You're going to do it when it needs to be done. Not when it's convenient, not when you feel inspired, not because you just listened to Johnny Doe and you got some new training tips. You go, I want to do it. And then you, you do it on Monday after you listen to the podcast. And then on Wednesday, you've lost interest. That's an amateur. If you want to be a successful Connie Corso owner, you need to be in a professional mindset. That's why I say I'm a professional Romulus trainer because I take that extremely serious. Now, I can I can definitely say without a shadow of a doubt for all you people that you're in maybe your first year of Connie Corso ownership, it will get easier if you're structured and disciplined. I don't have to work near as hard um, today than I did a couple years ago. But it doesn't mean that I don't have to work and it doesn't mean that there's not time that I have to dedicate to my dog. Even though he's quote unquote fully trained, that is not really a thing, okay? Is your dog fully trained? What does that mean? It's like, is your kid done learning? Let me ask you this. Are you done learning? If you're listening to this, you're probably 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Are you done learning? I don't think you ever stop learning. Neither does your dog. Okay? Your dog, unfortunately, will live a very short life relative to a human being. That life should be full of wonderment, experience, and constantly being challenged to learn new things. Yes, they're going to have a baseline. Yes, they're going to have certain things that um, that they will carry with them from their baseline training if you keep it up for many, many years. A good foundational um, training. But you should always be trying to refine that. Pushing them to get better, more disciplined, listen um, maybe uh, be less reactive. Whatever the issue is, 
you should always be trying to make certain tweaks. And there's a saying, when you teach something, you learn twice. And so when I'm training Romulus, I'm also learning. I'm learning how to be better at uh, understanding his behavior, better at reading his signals and body language, and better at giving certain commands and making sure to take emotion out of it and, and, and really look at it objectively, okay? So I'm going to talk about what this question is uh, from this listener. Um, and he, he went in and he kind of gave a description of his problem, but I don't know that he wants to sh- me to share all his personal stuff. So I'm not going to put all that out on, um, on Main Street here. But I will um, talk about his two questions, okay? So he's having problems with his dogs fighting, basically. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Um, The last time that I did an episode, I said, hey, Romulus and Bruno haven't had a fight in like eight months. Well, that changed about a week ago, week and a half ago. Romulus and Bruno got in a scuffle. Uh, We weren't home, one of the rare ones when we weren't home, but I caught it on my camera. I have a camera for my backyard. And basically, uh, I have a neighbor that was doing some work on the side of the house He was kind of right up uh, next to my fence. Romulus was just running up and down for probably 10 minutes, and Bruno um, got a little too close to Romulus. They were both amped up, little little scuffle. It was over before it got started. Bruno got bit up pretty good, but nothing that required vet attention, Uh, just a little bactine and cleaning out some some bite wounds. But uh, Romulus has given Bruno much worse, but it was more of a – he was settling Bruno down, and as soon as Bruno submitted, it was it was over. I watched the whole thing on on video. It maybe lasted 15 seconds, um, and it was mainly Romulus just on top of Bruno until Bruno kind of submitted, okay? So it happens, okay? It happens. Uh, dogs will be dogs, all right? Now, when it happens once every eight months, that's tolerable. Every six months, every couple months, whatever. The... The more frequent it is, the less tolerable it is, okay? And if if um, my dogs, for instance, I have two very dominant males, so it's going to happen um, from time to time. It used to happen a lot. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you've heard the stories. So this listener said, um, two main questions I have. How did you and your wife handle the fight? on your house on a personal level. My wife is having a lot of trouble getting over it and trying to move forward uh, with starting at the basics and being responsible. She doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel that there is hope. Second is, after a fight, what do you do? Do you separate them for a time, walk them together, or some other strategy? I just signed up for um, a training series that I've promoted called Team Dog. Uh, this week and started the bonding uh, engagement by hand feeding. Any input or information, blah, blah, blah. So great questions. So I'm going to start with the second one first because this uh, the, the, um, the first one is something that's near and dear to my heart that I really want to talk about um, a little bit more in depth. But the first question is, do you separate them? What do you do right after a fight? Uh, sorry, I had to get a drink of water. Um, so right after a fight, um, a lot of it obviously um, is really based on your dog's behavior and how they see the fight. Like for instance, Romulus, right after a fight, if I'm there, 
and I pull him off of Bruno and I yell at him. He knows he messed up and he goes right to his bed. He's, his body posture, he's very kind of, I don't want to say shame, but he knows that he probably shouldn't have done that. If your dog isn't like that, if he's still amped up and ready to go, it's going to be completely different. Okay, so let's start with scenario one. Your dog has already been kind of trained. It already knows not to do that. It was being reactive. It reacted. As soon as you yell at it, it realizes it made a mistake. It goes to its timeout area. At that point, there's not a lot you can do because your dog already knows it did something wrong. So you don't punish your dog to be cruel. You punish your dog so they understand that that is not the proper way to behave. So if your dog already shows remorse, it already knows it messed up, what are you going to do? What's the point of doing something further? Okay, um, Yelling at it, um, a corrective action, a, um, you know, uh, some people like smack their dog on the nose or smack their butt or spray them with water. There's all kinds of weird crap that people do to your, their dogs. If you have a good relationship with your dog where they understand that you are the pack leader, you don't have to do any of that. You never have to get physical with your dog, not even spraying them with water or any of that stuff. The most you might have to do is a corrective with the collar, a collar pop, a prong collar, um, but that's more to get their attention back on you. Once the attention's on you, if they aren't listening to you, if they're still reactive to that dog, you have a different problem. Your problem is they don't see you as the pack leader and they don't respect you. Um, and so if that's the case, then you definitely need to way get back to basics. And we'll, you know, touch on that a little bit. I've had, I have many episodes where I talked about that though. So scenario number two is if your dog is remorseful, it listens, they separate. I always separate them initially. Okay. Now, there's another trainer that I've watched his stuff. I've listened to his, I think, I can't remember if he has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. I can't remember his name. It's not that I don't want to promote other people or whatever, but, uh, you know, I don't I don't know his name. Um, but I remember he was talking about one time his dogs got in a fight and he was very much like, that only happened once, it never happened again, and blah, 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 and they respect me, whatever. Um, but he said that the worst thing you can do is separate them. He makes them lay right next to each other. And, um, you know, he watches them and, and just, you know, whatever. Like I said, I'm not a professional. He is in the sense of he gets paid to do that. I don't really know what his experience is with Connie Corsos. Uh, I watched him training Connie Corsos, but he's never owned one. Okay. Here's my experience uh, with, with, I've, I've had other dogs that fight, uh, gotten fights before, but my experience with my current two dogs, I do not separate them into different rooms. I separate them and have them both go to their neutral areas. The way I've trained my dogs is any time that I need control, they have to go to their beds. Okay. They have a place command, which is just bed. And when I say it to Bruno, he goes to his bed. When I say it to Romulus, he goes to his bed. At no point do I want them competing for the neutral area or the uh, or, or some something other than the bed. When they're on their bed, they know that that's the safe zone, meaning that the other dog is not allowed to come over to their bed and vice versa. I do not 
allow them to share a bed. Sometimes Bruno, when Romulus isn't around, he'll like uh, use the side of Romulus's bed for a pillow. But as soon as Romulus goes over to his bed, Bruno literally will stand up and walk over to his bed. He just knows. So they don't have to compete with that. Why I do that is because they always know that when they get that place command to go to their bed, sometimes it's because they're in trouble. Other times it's, hey, you don't get to make your own choices while you're on this. You can sleep, you can do whatever, but you're staying on this bed. And you're not getting up unless I tell you to get up. And don't get me wrong, if I believe I'm there, they might get up, go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, and if they come back and sit, sit in front of me or in the kitchen or something, and I don't want them there, then I just give them that place command again. Bottom line is this, they stay in their respective beds and they're probably 10 feet apart. They're in the same room. They can still see each other. I do not let them stare at each other. I make them focus on me and make sure that they stay separated. I have noticed when I do that, and as long as their, um, as long as the fight had a logical conclusion, which means Bruno submitted, um, there's usually not another problem for weeks or months or whatever. Okay. Where we ran into problems were twofold. One, Bruno did not submit and he was still amped up and he kind of went and started crap um, the next day or whatever else. Two, when we didn't have clear boundaries um, for for Bruno. Romulus has always kind of seen us as the pack leaders, my, my wife and I. It, it wasn't as much, you know, we definitely had to do some tweaking, but we had a good fundamental structure with him. Bruno, on the other hand, if you've listened to this podcast, you knew you know that most of the fights were caused by him and he was relatively untrained because we just didn't need to train him before we got a Kane Corso. He kind of did what he wanted to do. He's a bulldog. Bulldogs are stubborn. They're hard to train and they're very, very, very stubborn. Okay, you think a Kane Corso is stubborn, go train a bulldog. Go get a get a... A, I've had an old English bulldog and I've had just a, used to be called an English bulldog. Now it's just bulldog. If you watch Westminster dog show, it's just called bulldog now, but a smaller English bulldog. I've had both and they're both extremely stubborn. Okay. Um, it's, it's my old English bulldog. I mean, good luck ever training that dog. He, he's going to do what he wants to do. If, if you tr- uh, trained him a trick, um, it's because he wanted to, but there's days that he just goes, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> They're extremely stubborn. With that being said, you can train any dog. that just takes an immense amount of will. So when we were having that, those problems, I knew uh, we needed to give Bruno a good boot camp training. And once we worked diligently to train him and had the same standards for both dogs, a lot of our problems went away. That was the biggest thing with us is inconsistency. We treated one dog different than the other. That breeds animosity, especially when one sees themselves as the alpha and the other one doesn't, or they both see themselves as alpha. Um, So like I said, you're going to have to listen to some of those previous podcasts if you need a little bit more in depth because I don't want to spend, you know, an hour rehashing all that stuff. 
So yes, I do separate them. No, I do not walk them together because Romulus and Bruno, they're just two dogs that I can teach them to tolerate one another. I can teach them to respect each other's space. They're not allowed to play together. They're not allowed to um, walk together because they get too competitive. So they can play uh, in the same room uh, independently from one another. And I've and I've taught them to kind of respect when the other one's playing. Um, but they, I can't have them competing for a toy. I cannot have them in a walk where they're both marking and 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 having more, you know, like a uh, take them to neutral territory and have them compete for that territory. That's that just doesn't work with these two dogs. Understanding what type of dog that you're working with is a huge um, feather in your cap of figuring out what the underlying issues are is you really do have to do some good assessment of your dogs and know what you're dealing with. Romulus and other dogs that he's met at the dog park and stuff, uh, there's certain dogs that it's the same thing. I can't have him play with them at the dog park and other dogs he can play just fine with. It really depends on the the personality meshing those personalities dogs are a lot like people you've met those people that they literally will get along with every single person they meet they're just one of those they're just that type of person then there's people that they don't get along with anybody and then there's people uh you know it's more common that they're they they get along with certain people other people not as much and some people not at all um and so there's varying spectrums in the dog world and in the people world so you you really have to identify if your dog even has the personality type to get along with any other dog. Bruno, for instance, he's never gotten along with any dog. I had the most easygoing old English bulldog named Rocky who passed a few years ago. And him and Bruno, they were they got along about as well as Bruno could ever get along with another dog, and they still couldn't really play together. But they they hung out together all day long. Um, but I had to separate them with when they got like treats and bones and stuff like that for the most part. Um, Bruno, the, the best thing about him is he doesn't like chewing on bones, doesn't like chewing on sticks, anything like that. So when Romulus has one of those or when Rocky had one, Bruno never wanted it. So it was, it was easy when it comes to that stuff. Um, but Bruno's just very, um, I don't know what happened to him in his early life. I got him at a year and a half. I don't know what trauma he had. He, he definitely bounced around. He had like, I was like his fourth owner in a year and a half because he had someone didn't train him and his behaviors kind of ran amok and people just kept passing him around to someone else. And he's an English bulldog. So, you know, they're extremely expensive. So people just don't want to take him to the pound. They'll sell him to somebody else. And then that person, the newness wears off. They realize this dog's going to require work and they go sell him to somebody else. Um, that's how I got both my bulldogs, by the way, they're both rescues. Um, but Bruno's come a long way, but understanding how he is and his personality keeps me from trying to get him to interact with other dogs. He's very dog aggressive. He doesn't even like, um, he likes other people. Okay. But he's not, he's, you know, and, and getting older and he's losing his eyesight and, you know, he's got some health problems. So he's a little crankier. So it's just not something that 
um, I'm interested in trying to get over for him because there's, there's just no benefit. So I understand that. I understand Romulus. Romulus um, is kind of on the middle ground. There are certain people he likes, certain people he doesn't, certain dogs he likes, certain dogs he doesn't. Um, certain environmental things he does really well in, other things he needs a little bit more attention. He is very obedient, though, when you are disciplined and he has that structure that's been established. He, he does very, very well. Um, he does great with my wife, but it wasn't always like that. He's one of those dogs that just needs a lot of attention, a lot of training, a lot of structure and discipline, and he's fine. Okay, so... Um, that's how we do it is we separate it, separate them, but we don't remove them completely. Um, because essentially you're kind of rewarding that dog when you say, Hey, I don't like this dog. I'm going to bite him. And then the, the pack leader is going to take him away from me. (laughs) You know, um, we, you, at the very least, if you cannot train your dog to get along with another dog, you have to train them to tolerate them. Meaning, I don't like this other dog, so I'm going to walk to the other side of the room. I don't like this other dog, so I'm going to ignore them. I don't like this other dog, so when it's outside, I'm going to go inside. Um, And Romulus and Bruno, Romulus really likes Bruno in the sense of he wants to be around in the same room. Bruno is content with not ever being around Romulus for the most part, okay? Uh, They don't ride in the same car together. Um, we We just separate them because Bruno just gets too competitive. Okay. So, um, let me make sure I addressed all this. Um, do you separate them, walk them together? Um, some other strategies. So, like I said, don't walk them together. Um, but the thing is that the what works for me and my two dogs is I segregate them constantly. Meaning when they eat, they eat in different areas of the house. Um, when they play, I try to separate them then. They don't sleep in the same room um, at night. And during the day when we're not here, they're they're the pack and, and they sleep right next to each other. At night, um, that, that just doesn't work. So I keep them separated. Bruno usually sleeps with us, my wife and I, and Romulus sleeps out in the hallway. We do switch them from time to time because sometimes Bruno is just restless and he wants to be out in the hallway and, and we'll let Romulus come and th- there's a dog bed there um, that he can sleep on. We just make sure that there's a door between them at night and it works out great for us. There's no reason for us to try to um, change that. At night, like right now I'm in my my studio, which is kind of my office, my extra room in the house. If Bruno or Romulus was in here with me, they're they're not now. They're both downstairs with my wife. But if one of them was in here, I, I don't let the other one in. They can. They've laid in here together, but it could cause an issue. And so I make sure if one of them's in here, the other one's not. And um, if one of them wants to leave, then the other one can come in. And what that does is they understand those boundaries and they don't try to encroach on each other's territory. But I have to enforce that as the, as the pack leader. So they don't get to make those decisions. So the, the bottom line up front is I, have, I went out of my way to delegate certain things to my dogs and they don't have to make those decisions. I don't let them make those decisions. And that cleared up 95% of all issues that we were having. 
is when Bruno wants to come over and sit right next to my wife, he tends to get a little bit protective, resource guarding, so we don't allow him to do that. Unless Romulus is upstairs with me, then we'll let Bruno do that because he's no longer resource guarding if there's no you know nothing else around his his behavior completely changes he he can just sit next to my wife and he's not amped up soon as romulus comes back down bruno goes to his bed we make romulus go to his it's the exact same thing romulus does not come over and sit right next to us and demand to get pet he's in his bed unless bruno is upstairs with my wife then romulus can come over and all you know sit with him or whatever else that is what works for us okay Now, the more important question. My wife and I are having a lot of trouble. My wife is having a lot of trouble getting over it and trying to move forward uh, with starting at the basics and starting, uh, start being responsible. She doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel and that there is hope. I cannot stress this enough. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. If you guys aren't on the same page, you will fail. There's no, there's really no need to even beat around the bush. 100%. If you have a Connie Corso and you're having behavior issues and you guys aren't on the same page, you will fail. It's no different than when you're raising kids. You could, if you have one of those kids is just happy go lucky and they're fantastic disposition, they're very agreeable, you might be able to get away with some inconsistencies in your parenting. It's still not ideal, but you could probably get away with it. If you have a kid that is trying you, that is pushing your buttons, that is trying to see what they can get away with, and they need a lot of structure and discipline, if there's any chink in your guy's armor, he will pit you guys against each other, divide and conquer, and your child will suffer for it. And your relationship and your marriage will suffer as well. It's no different with a dog that has behavior issues. My wife and I, when we were first having issues with Romulus, a lot of it had to do with inconsistency in our training. Romulus did really good when I was at home. Then when I would leave town, the the boys always got in a fight. My wife had issues with Romulus being reactive on walks. She got nervous. She didn't even want to walk him anymore. Uh, We had a lot of issues. And it did cause some friction. Uh, I don't want to say it caused anything that was like um, debilitating to our relationship, but it definitely caused some tension and made us um, stress a little bit more about um, our relationship with, with having the dogs in the house and how it affected our relationship. Probably the biggest thing that happened in that time was there was a discussion about if Romulus was the right dog for us. Now, I always knew that I could handle it. My wife, she was a newer dog owner. Romulus is her third dog. And she's only been a dog owner for about five years um, at the time. And... I was a dog owner for 30 years and it was challenging. She does not have the disposition or the confidence to be a pack leader of a Connie Corso on her own. 
She struggled with um, assertiveness. She struggled with um, consistency with the structure and the discipline. This caused a lot of issues. So much so that she said the words to me once, I don't know if I can do this. All the pep talk in the world was not going to help. And so we had a talk, her and I, and she did not want to give up on Romulus, but she just didn't know what else to do. That's when I took the training extremely serious. That's when I buckled down and said, okay, this dog is a little bit different than any other dog that I've had. And even though I can handle the dog, it should be easier than this. He should, I'm missing a piece here. So that's when I started taking training classes. Um, I started reading a lot more books on training. I tried every single trick in the book. I watched every single YouTube. That's why I started this podcast is because I noticed there wasn't a lot of good resources out there. The Connie Corso channels on YouTube, it's people that are doing, you know, something different. And I don't want to disparage them because they're doing their own thing, but it doesn't get into depth. It's, um, it's fluff for the most part or clickbaity or uh, there, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple really good ones, comprehensive, but very basic stuff, okay? Um, it, seemingly so, they didn't seem to have very many behavior issues and very judgy of people who did. Um, that's why I decided to take the route that I did with this podcast, knowing that there's got to be people like myself, you know, and this is after I kind of got over that hump, obviously. But before I got over that hump, when Romulus was about, he was probably about eight months old. And I said, okay, where are we going wrong? So the first thing I did was I gave myself the tools. I did a lot of research, read a lot of books. I took some professional training courses. I took a lot of behavior modification courses. um, And I really paid attention to what I was doing with Romulus. Okay. Um, I did add a few tools to my arsenal, um, the prong collar being the one that I still use today, but I also tried the e-collar and a couple other things with uh, different leashes. And um, But the big thing that I did was self-assess. And I realized, well, I cannot have expectations of my wife until I figure it out myself. Like I figure out what I'm doing wrong with Romulus, how I can improve that, and then I can bring her along. So I diligently focused and worked with him hours and hours a day. And it took a significant amount of time because he started to develop some bad habits of reactivity. Genetically, he is not the perfect specimen. Um, he's no Bruce Wayne if you watch YouTube. Um, but he is not the worst dog either. He's somewhere in the middle. And so um, once I really figured out the consistency, once I figured out some of the problems like with Bruno um, and, and Romulus kind of seeing inconsistencies with him, 
with how my wife treated him versus treating uh, Romulus and you know Romulus and Bruno were treated different. I when I came home, the rules were different than when I left. All those things. We had so many factors to work on. It wasn't just my training with Romulus. It was also my training with Bruno. And it was also how we interacted with each individual dog, separate and together. The rules were different when I left the house than when I came back. When my wife was there, she uh, she was way different. And once we figure that out, make no mistake, my wife had to be 100% on board. And how we got over that hump and how she saw the light at the end of the tunnel is she saw Romulus make progress with me. She saw that um, he was listening to my commands. He, he was adhering to these rules better. The worst part during this whole thing was it wasn't my relationship with my wife that I was worried about. It was her relationship with Romulus. It was deteriorating. She got to the point where, because Romulus technically is her dog. I, I got him for her. She got to the point where Romulus was my dog. It wasn't hers. And she didn't really want to do anything with Romulus. She didn't want to walk him. She didn't want to go on car rides with him. She didn't want to sleep next to him. She didn't want to really interact, feed him, play with him, train him, anything. Because she felt scared, one, intimidated, two, and she felt a little um, lost that she did not know how to fix the problem. She didn't understand how to get Romulus to listen to her. And so I knew that I had to get the best way to get her confidence back was to be 100% locked on with my training with him and for him to look at me um, as that pack leader that had no flaws, no chinks in my armor. I had to be consistent. I had to always remain steadfast with everything that I was doing with Romulus. Once we started to figure that out, once I started really seeing some change in Romulus, my wife, you know, she had to take some time to kind of get her confidence back. And so I would ask her, hey, just do these little things different. Like when we were home, hey, when we eat dinner, make sure we do this. And when we feed the dogs, make sure we do this. And when they are growling at each other, make sure we do this. And we have to do this together at the same time. Like you can't do it different than me. And make no mistake, she had to buy in. There had to be that buy-in from her. I We had to have that talk where... Sweetheart, if we're going to get over this, we're going to have to do it together. And the only way to do it together is if you got to believe in me. And how you show that you believe in me is if I give a command in this way, you have to do it the exact same way. And I know that you're not me. 
I know that you're uncomfortable. This is, and this is way outside of your comfort zone. But I promise if you uh, go down this road with me, if you try to uh, do this in this way, you're going to see results and, and, we're gonna, and it's going to be beneficial. So I would take her on walks with Romulus. Instead of making her do walks with Romulus, just come along with me. We're not going to talk. We're not going to chit-chat. I just want you to observe how I give him commands. How I handle the leash. And through time, she started to see Romulus change. And when he changed and he was more obedient, she started to change her uh, thoughts on Romulus. They started to bond just a little bit. Because walking as a pack, that is a huge thing. When my wife was scared of Romulus uh, because he pulled her down once um, and she felt like he wasn't listening to her and she was nervous about trying to break up a dog fight for obvious reasons. She started avoiding Romulus. She didn't interact with him. She definitely didn't walk him, and, and that hurts the bond. And if you know anything about this breed, they really bond with one person in the house more than the other, but they can bond with the family. But everybody outside of that, they don't really give a shit about. But if that bond is deteriorated, it's very hard to train this dog. If you have a good bond and they have good structure and discipline, it's so much easier. And so over time, my wife started to get her confidence back. She started seeing that because Romulus, I gave him that, I, I re-engaged that fundamental uh, baseline, that good foundational training. That, that he had before, but we, we got away from. Once I reestablished that, and all I said is, is just gave her the plug and play thing is, hey, I've already done all the work. You just have to follow up and make sure to, to assert yourself as that pack leader. When I'm here, and then you can do it when I'm not here. So we started doing things together. In the sense of like, hey, we're going to go on a walk and I'm going to hold the leash and you give him a command and I will give the correction if he doesn't do it. That way she's not having to try to walk and chew comb at the same time, so to speak. And then once we did that and she got confident, then maybe uh, on a 45-minute walk, she would handle the leash for five minutes and then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. When we went home, same thing. If Romulus was doing something wrong, I was there to observe I had her give him the command, go to your bed, go do this, whatever. And then I would give her little tweaks. And I did it with compassion. I didn't yell at my wife. I didn't uh, belittle her if she didn't do it right. Say, hey, sweetheart, that was great, but try this. Like, don't just say it, but stand up and assert yourself with your body language. Like that is huge for a dog like Romulus. You got to stand over him and you might have to physically move him in the sense of like, kind of shuffle your feet to get him to move. Like, don't walk around him, walk through him. So those little tweaks like that, my wife had the buy-in because she started to reconnect and rebond, and Romulus started to bond with my wife again. And then when she started 
going on individual walks. When that day came and she was super nervous, I said, just do a five-minute walk and then do a 10-minute walk, then do a 30-minute. Fast forward to now, my wife can do everything that I can do with Romulus. He can be in the car with her. I will leave town for a week and she walks him every morning and he does fantastic. She does training with him. She enforces structure and discipline when I'm not here. If the boys are acting up, she has, you know, she, she knows how to handle it. But here's the, here's the, the real trick. Here's the real key to success. My wife understands that she can't relax in the sense of she can't pick and choose like what we did before when you want to enforce certain things. If Romulus is doing something 100% of the time, she has to correct it before it becomes a problem. And the same with Bruno. Before it was, we would get lazy. Bruno is resource guarding. Well, Romulus doesn't seem to care right now, so let's just let it happen. Or, uh, they're starting to do this, but it's not a problem yet. Doesn't matter. They're, they are testing the boundaries, and if the boundaries keep moving, they're going to keep moving the boundaries. Once we were consistent, we started getting results. Once we started getting results, my wife started to get confidence. Once she got confidence, she started to buy in. And once she had buy-in and she started putting it into practice, then she started having feeling like that she had the tools to handle Romulus in the same way I did. And now they have such a fantastic bond. He's bonded to her as much to me, just in a different way. He sees me as like the person that plays with him, but my wife like if I go up and hug my wife or whatever else, or I'm like tickling my wife, I mean, he'll, he'll defend my wife. He didn't bite me or anything. He, is, he just comes between us, wagging his tail and stuff. But he, um, he has a very special bond with my wife. It makes me feel really good as a dog owner. And more importantly, we're not in competition who the pack leader is. We are co-pack leaders. The dog has to understand that both of us, either one of us gives a command. Like it used to be my wife would tell Romulus something. He wouldn't listen. Then I would have to tell him and he would listen. Well, that was the worst thing I could have done because what it did is prove to him that she was not on the hierarchy above him. He understood I was, but he just went, oh, I didn't have to listen to her. No, now I just sit there and go, no, babe, make a move. Make a move. And if she gets intimidated or scared, then I can come in. But at no means, uh, by no means, I mean, do I just not let her enforce those rules. She has to enforce the same rules. And I still make little corrections because she's so soft-spoken. She'll be like, Romulus, go to your bed. And she'll, she'll talk like this. And I'm like, no. You say, Romulus, bed. And be consistent with that. And so we always have to tweak things. And there's things that I do. Like, for instance, I think she has better leash control and leash discipline than I do. I think I put a lot of tension into the leash. I think I make Romulus reactive sometimes because um, I get nervous when when there's a husky or something, a dog that I know he doesn't like. And I'll kind of tighten up on the leash, which makes him more alert. 
where my wife, I think, is better. She's better at um, giving the commands, like the timing of the marking the reward. You know how in, in the beginning you use that clicker, but now you can mark it with a yes or good boy or whatever. She's a lot better with marking it than me. And there's certain behavior thing and discipline things I'm better than her. But we make an extremely good team. And to answer your question, yes, it affected our relationship. Yes, there was a time that my wife did not see the light at the end of the tunnel. But how we fix that is we had to have a discussion and it had to start with, do you want to keep this dog? And me, I don't care what the dog is, 100% of the time, I will not give up the dog. And I thought that's the way my wife was too. And she flirted with the idea of getting rid of him. But then she remembered she made a commitment to this dog. She made a commitment to me. And she didn't want to think about the idea of that she gave up on a dog. My wife's a school teacher. Uh, She teaches special education. And she knew that, hey, just because it's hard doesn't mean that it won't be valuable and it's not doable. She just needed to, you, you got to let them kind of lick their wounds a little bit, feel sorry for themselves. Maybe, you know, just let them chill out a little bit. And then when you have that conversation afterwards, you have to put it on the table and say, is this something you want to do? And once they say yes, yeah, we're, I want to keep them. Cool. Because I wasn't giving you the option of getting rid of them. But, but since you just said that, now I got buy-in from you. Because that's extremely important. See, it's not about whether or not you're going to get rid of your dog. Because you're not. But you have to have them articulate that to you. So they have buy-in. Because without buy-in, you won't be able to do it. If you got buy-in, you can remind them. Remember, you said you wanted to do this. I never said it was going to be easy. This is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, but it's going to be worth it. And if you understand that, then the work, it's easy to do because you want to do it because you, you so badly want your relationship to be better with your wife and you want your wife's relationship to be better with the dogs and all of you can be that strong pack. Dogs can bring you together, but they can also cause stress and tension in your relationship. That's one of the reasons why I've done so many podcasts where I talk about got to make sure this is the right breed for you. But I'm telling you right now, and this is what I believe. If you get it, this dog, you've got to be committed. There is no failure. It's not an option. You do not give this dog to, you don't bring him to a shelter. You, you just destroyed that dog's chance at having a good life because no one's adopting a Connie Corso that was aggressive. And that's why you got rid of them. Or they kept fighting with other dogs. As soon as you put that stamp on them, they're done. Good luck finding somebody to adopt them. So you, it's your responsibility. You need to make sure to do everything you can. Because I can tell you unequivocally, 
if you can figure out solutions to your problem, this dog, you will never bond with another dog breed like you do a Cane Corso. Bar none, end of story. It's not even debatable. You might have a bond that's similar. You'll never have a greater bond. Never. That's what makes this breed so fantastic. Do you have to put in a lot of work? Absolutely. Is it challenging, especially if you were uh, not as experienced with these type of dogs? Yes, it was even uh, very challenging for me. Extremely challenging. But I'm telling you, the bond, and my wife, if she was here right now, she would say the exact same thing. Like you can't even put a price tag on it. The feeling that this dog will give you. It's an amazing animal. But you can't get anything out of this dog unless you put in a lot of work. You know, I always use the car analogy. Golden Retriever is like a automatic Toyota Corolla. Like a brand new one. You don't even need a key, you know, push button start. Put it into drive. It's got like lane keep assist and cruise control. 40 miles to the gallon. Always starts, not very much maintenance. Doesn't go really fast. Doesn't challenge you. It's not hard to keep on the road. It's pretty easy to drive, right? Great car if you're learning to drive. Now, trade that in for an old, like 1960s muscle car. Rear wheel drive. Drum brakes. Stick shift. Crappy suspension. Giant V8. Carbureted. Got to let it warm up. You got to work the choke. Constantly breaking down. Sometimes doesn't want to start. Constantly got to change the spark plugs. Clean out the air filter. Anytime you give it too much gas, the rear end breaks loose. The clutch, sometimes you burn it up. It's super heavy. It's not fun to drive in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Gets 12 miles to the gallon. Burns so much fuel, you got to have the windows down or it makes you lightheaded when you drive it. But if you practice, you fully restore that car. Doesn't have a dent on it. All new parts. Make sure that everything's running smooth. You got a good mechanic that helps you with it. Or maybe you learn mechanics yourself. On the right day. And if you're skilled enough, there's no better feeling than driving a masterful piece of engineering like one of those cars. Everyone will be jealous looking at you driving down the street. And you're going to feel gratification that this didn't come easy. You had to put a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears just to learn to drive this thing, let alone maintain it. 
but that's what makes you special because not just anybody can go buy this car. You can't even drive it in the rain because the, it won't even, you know, just start fishtailing all over the place. But you can drive it in the rain because you figured out how to feather the throttle. You've gotten to know this car and its little quirks. Someone else can't start it, but you know exactly how to, how to hold the choke and what to do to get that, keep that car running. That is the special experience and bond you're going to get with the Connie Corso. You know not some average dog owner can handle this dog. Yeah, you can't do everything with this dog that you can with your golden retriever. But it's a lot more fun, it's a lot more gratifying, and it's something that makes more meaningful memories that will last longer than for the rest of your life. And you'll always look back at the time that you had that Cane Corso. If you can master your ownership experience, then you will be like me where you go, man, there's a lot of dog breeds I like, but I can't imagine not having a Cane Corso. I'm afraid to get another dog breed because I might be disappointed. No, I love bulldogs as well, but for different reasons. They're big goofballs. That's what I love about them. But Romulus, he required a lot of work. And what I'm most proud of is that my wife, even though she's not 100% in the sense of like, she would, you know, walk him in the middle of a crowded uh, shopping mall or something. She would be nervous about that. But for the most part, she's extremely confident with him, especially in the house. She's ex- she's 100% confident in being able to do everything when I'm not around. And more than anything, she loves that dog. And he loves her. And that means you're going to have a successful ownership experience a successful Cane Corso experience now to my listener that sent me this question and he said he was taking Mike Ridland's training you know how important having that bonding time with your dog in the beginning Cane Corso's if you can figure out how to truly bond with his dog Training them is a matter matter of repetition, consistency, and structure. And they will do anything that you have the will to teach them. Romulus is so smart. It's so easy to teach him things. Once that bond is there, that structure, that discipline, that foundation, and everything that I add to it is, is so easy because he, he has a hunger to please me. So, to recap, before I sign off and finish up this podcast, this dog experience that you're having that's causing relationship issues, you got to get on the same page or it will never work. You got to get that buy-in, both of you. And I'm so happy to hear that you're taking a training class Especially especially Mike Ridland, because even though 
He does not train Kane Corsos. He trains high drive protection dogs and they're very similar in how you have to train them. And you got to be a consistent pack leader and they have to see you. If it's a high drive dog that is a protection type, if they don't respect you, if they don't see you as a pack leader, you're never going to train them ever. Anybody can train a golden retriever for the most part. I mean, they're they're easy. You don't have to out alpha them. They just want everyone to be happy all the time. Not this breed. If they don't respect you, then it's going to be hard. If you don't have that bond with them, it's going to be hard. So you're doing the right thing. Take these class. Make yourself a ninja at training your Kane Corso. Help try to figure out solutions and then your wife will, will hopefully give you that buy-in once they she sees the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's up for you to to show her the light. Get give a plan. If she is tapping out, then it's up to you to come up with that plan. This is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it. Because if you don't know what to do, your wife's not gonna have a lot of confidence. Figure out where you need to shore up your training. Start implementing those things. Bring her along for the ride. Have her observe. Then you can start getting that buy-in, maybe tweaking how she's doing stuff. But you got to do it together and you got to be on the same page and you got to be consistent. But I don't know anybody that can handle this dog breed if they aren't 100% committed. It's very hard to be a casual Conte Corso owner. It is. And I'm not saying there's not some out there, but it's I would not train to that standard because it's just a matter of time before you get one that's not. So hopefully that helped out. Hopefully um, you know that A, you're not alone. There's a lot of people like you that are out there. Two, keep fighting the good fight. Every day is a new battle. Don't give up. When you lose, you learn. So learn from those mistakes. Train both of your dogs consistently. Even if they have different personalities, make sure that the same rules apply to both dogs. Just like if you had kids and you let one kid do one thing and the other kid never got to do it, there's going to be animosity and they're not just going to be mad at you. They're going to be mad at each other. Be consistent. Have a set of rules that no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day, they are following those rules. Don't decide you're having a good day and they can jump up on the couch. If you're having behavior issues with your dog, they don't do anything. They make zero decisions on their own. You tell them when to eat. You tell them when to go to the bathroom. You tell them where to sleep, when to sleep. You tell them what toy they can play with and what they can't. Romulus has a whole set of toys. We call the high-value toys that are locked in a shed. And he can go out there and sit by that shed all he wants, but he doesn't play with those toys unless I want him to. And I make him earn that privilege. That establishes the hierarchy. I can put one of those high-value toys right on a shelf that's nose level to him, and he will sit there and stare at it for half an hour, never once trying to get it. He might paw at kind of 
he, he kind of scratches at the thing, but he won't ever just bite it and take it. Why? Because he understands that's not his. I have to give it to him. You can get there too. But you will never get there by accident. You will only get there by first being structured and disciplined in your actions. Then you can start encouraging your dog and then bringing your wife along too. Hopefully I answered your questions. As always, guys, if you want to reach out to me, I am on Facebook. Um, a couple people have reached me out, uh, re- reached out to me there. This individual actually went to my website and 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 hit the uh, uh, email button and emailed me directly. But the Connie Corso X on Instagram is probably the easiest way. If you don't have Instagram, yeah, go to afootpodcast.com. That's my podcast network. You can hit me up. Um, I think it's afootpodcast at gmail.com is my email address. But um, you know, Instagram is what I love uh, as far as interacting because I get to see pictures of your dogs. I love it when you guys send me videos. I got a new listener. I think he's from Sweden. He has like three Cane Corsos. And he sent me like a whole bunch of pictures and videos. And I and I sent them to my wife. And I was like, oh, check out these dogs. I love it. I really do. I like to know that there's people, regular people, okay? Not breeders. Nothing against breeders or vets or professional trainers. I love all you guys. This community, though, is based on regular owners that have jobs, that have lives, that are raising kids, but also want the benefit of having this fantastic breed. I'm here for you guys. And if I can help you, I want to do that. And you're probably asking right now, how can we help you, Johnny? How can we help the show? Easy. Share this with a friend. One, two, go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, leave a review. Say good things about it. It helps the algorithm, okay? Um, and that's really the main thing. I, I, I don't make money at this. I don't, um, there's no advertisers I'm telling you to go do or whatever. That's how, and we, I wanna grow this for the community. I want, Kane Corso ownership um, to 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 be in the forefront, and you guys are going to help that um, for the right people. This podcast is never going to be huge because it doesn't need to be huge. If you guys watch um, Jason Corey on YouTube, um, he has the Kane Corso Bruce Wayne, and like I said before, I'm I'm not going to say I uh, I'm indifferent to his channel. I watch it. I definitely watch it. Um, I don't dislike it, um, but it's a different thing, okay? There's definitely things about it that um, it, it is what it is. I'm not, not going to throw shade because I, I appreciate um, seeing the things that he does. I think he's a fantastic trainer. Um, he has a fantastic dog, yada, yada. But he was talking about in one of his episodes that he kind of regrets commercializing Bruce Wayne to a certain extent because um, so many people go out and buy Iconic Corsos that are ill-prepared and it probably causes a lot of them to go to shelters and stuff. I don't necessarily buy that he's too regretful because he still sells merch and all that other crap and really promotes, you know, clickbaity, you know, titles and stuff like that. And, And that's fine. He's trying to make money. That's his industry. 
that's that's the blowback of it. Okay, um, you you know if if you show you know um, no matter if it's a car channel or motorcycles or guns or whatever, people are going to want to be like that, and that's a responsibility that you have. And I'm not saying he's definitely not doing anything wrong. I'm just saying it's you know it, it comes with the territory. Don't lament. Uh, about it if you're you know commercializing your dog and making him famous and selling t-shirts and all that other stuff people are going to want to be like you that's that's there's nothing wrong with you're not doing anything wrong but just it is what it is be honest with yourself you know um i didn't mean to go on that rant um my point is that he even acknowledges that this breed is not for everybody all I ask is if it is, if you think it's for you and you make that commitment, see it as a commitment. See it as something that you're going to have to work at. See it as you want to be a professional and not an amateur. You want to be a professional dog owner, not just a professional dog trainer. And if you want just an accessory in your life, Please listen to my podcast, but get a different dog breed. And you're you're not wrong for wanting that. But you are wrong if you're casually trying to be a Connie Corso owner because there's a lot of bad things that could happen. I just want you guys to take it serious, and I know so many listeners out there do. This listener in particular is taking it extremely serious or they wouldn't be reaching out. I've been there. I've rode the struggle bus. I, I I second-guessed my decisions. I said, did I mess something up? Did I get in over my head? It's okay to think all that. As long as you come full circle after the pity party and say, let's buckle down and let's get to work. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself as long as it's temporary. But don't give up. Don't give up on you. Don't give up on your dog. And I promise it's not going to happen overnight, but it will get better. And I promise that with a renewed commitment, you will find the promised land with your dog. You will have a light bulb moment and everything will get a little bit easier. You just don't know when that's going to come. Could it come after two weeks? Could be two months? Could be longer. But really try to learn. And you got to be able to self-assess and look at yourself in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong? Seek professional help if you need to. And please don't take it as I was throwing shade at some of the other YouTube channels or whatever else because they're... We're not in competition. They're all benefit. I mean, there's channels that I don't necessarily even like, but I watch, I still watch them because I might be able to get some good nuggets from some good information from. There's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of good stuff. Don't take any, anybody at a hundred percent, take a little nugget from me, take a nugget here Watch this YouTube channel, listen to this podcast, read this book, and then 
trial and error and figure out what works for you and your dog. Make it yours. But it all starts with taking responsibility. As always, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And always be kind to man's best friend. Peace.